Hello world and welcome to the Overtone Warp Zone. This podcast is for people who enjoy games, love music, and want to know more about how their favorite songs work. In season one, we're taking a look at musical concepts found in pieces from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I'm Dan Bergman, and let's get started. On October 13 of 2020, the cast of Minecraft joined the ranks of Smash Bros. Steve! Alex! Zombie! And Enderman! I don't think anyone can honestly say that they saw this one coming. You can probably imagine there'd be some glaring issues with converting the game mechanics of a first-person sandbox builder game to work in a platform fighting game. Even Masahiro Sakurai acknowledged this in his short October 3rd reveal of the characters, but Sakurai always finds a way to deliver. And how could he not? Minecraft is literally the best-selling game in the world, at over 200 million copies sold. It only makes sense that it finds representation in Smash. To Sakurai and the team's credit, they have included a ton of features from Minecraft that faithfully ended up in their fighting game debut. In terms of actual gameplay, mining is, of course, a staple of Steve's abilities, and the team came up with a way for each element of each stage to have a mineable quality about them. The top of a spaceship would earn you more iron, for example, while Donkey Kong's wooden stages earn you, of course, wood. Knowing the competitive nature of the Smash community, the team ensured that when playing on tournament versions of the stages, there is a predetermined set of chances to mine each type of material. The neutral special attack button, B, has multiple features depending on where you are. If you're on the ground or by a wall, you mine that area of ground or wall. If you're by your crafting table, you craft new weapons, which you should continually do since there are five different versions of them in increasing strength and because they break down with prolonged use. And if you're in the air, you craft a block beneath you. This character has by far one of the most unique skill sets in Smash, and players have come up with unbelievable ways of making it work. You know what, just, just pause the episode here, go do a quick YouTube search of Steve combos, you won't be disappointed. Not only was the character hard to implement in Smash, but the music was too. So far, we've been listening to the song Minecraft by German artist C418, aka Daniel Rosenfeld. He's composed most of the songs for the main version of Minecraft, and has released two albums of music he composed for it, totaling over 50 songs. So, while there is a wide variety of music to choose from, almost all of it is chill. For once, I agree with Sakurai that the music from the original game doesn't fit the aesthetic of a fighting game. Although how funny would it be to just have like one song, like this song, in the background of a fight? I, I think that'd be pretty funny. So due to this fact, and also the fact that there are licensing issues for the original game's music, the Smash team went with music from two of the Minecraft spin-off titles. Minecraft Earth, which is an augmented reality game released in Alpha in October 2019, and Minecraft Dungeons, a hack and slash released in May of 2020. They also used music composed by Gareth Coker for the legacy console minigames Battle and Glide. Of the seven songs that made it into Smash from these sources, six of them are remixes, with one being faithfully brought over from the Shipyard Steampunk Battle Map, Clockwork Crafter. You can't go wrong with alliteration in a song title. Alright, let's have a listen to see how well this piece of music works as a battle theme.
This theme sure is moody. There's something a bit piratey about the instrument choice as well. I like it. For context, Battle is a minigame that more or less rips off of a Hunger Games competition, where players start surrounding a pile of chests that they can rush up to and find equipment, such as armor and weapons, but they can also find them around the map. The players are then locked in an elimination deathmatch, where the last player standing wins. The shipyard is from a downloadable map pack, and it is steampunk in nature in that it is an airship. There are four songs that might play when playing this mode in Minecraft, but Clockwork Crafter is the one that made its way to Smash. There are some cool features to this song that make it unique, particularly listen to these chord changes in the middle. They almost seem to be sliding away from the listener as they change note by note. How did Gareth Coker come up with the chords for this section? If we were to take a look, they don't seem to fit in any one particular key. In fact, if we listen to the bass line, it seems to be drooping down one semitone at a time as we go. I'll play the bass line on a piano so you can hear it extra well. What is this man doing? Why is he straying away from the tonal center of the song? Is this compositional technique even allowed? It's more than just allowed. It has a name. That name is... Chromaticism. When we talk about a chromatic scale in music, we are referring to a scale that uses all 12 pitches of an octave. In other words, we hit each semitone on our way up or down that scale. So, a C chromatic scale would be C, C-sharp, D, D-sharp, and so on, all the way up to the next C. This is in contrast to a diatonic scale, which is a scale that is made up of both half-steps and whole-steps, most notably the major and minor scales. For comparison, here's a C major scale, here's a natural C minor scale, And here's a C chromatic scale. When we refer to chromaticism, we refer to a compositional technique in which chromatic notes are interspersed amongst diatonic notes in a particular scale. These chromatic notes are thought of as embellishments or substitutions for diatonic notes. The chromatic notes arise for a few reasons. Sometimes it's simply alterations of diatonic scale degrees, such as with the use of borrowed chords from a related key. Sometimes it's to insert a leading tone to bring the listener's ears to the resolution of a major seven note resolving to the root, for example. This would be the case in melodic or harmonic minor modes. There are other ways this could happen too, such as modulation to a new key, use of the blues scale, and so on. The purpose of chromaticism isn't to subvert any idea of diatonic music at all. That's what we would call atonal music. Rather, chromaticism decorates the music and gives it a new tension that diatonic music alone can't provide. In essence, diatonic music provides light, goodness, stability, and structure, 
whereas chromatic music introduces darkness, doubt, tension, and fluidity. Good composers will use these feelings to their advantage. One crafty way of using chromaticism is to simply have a constantly descending or ascending chromatic line, particularly in the bass line of a piece. Here are some ways that such chromaticism has been used in the past. In Dido's Lament from Henry Purcell's 1689 opera Dido and Aeneas, the lamento ground bass lowers down stepwise ever so slowly at the start of the main phrase. The name of this aria is When I Am Laid in Earth. As the queen Dido longs for her unrequited love, the Trojan warrior Aeneas. The chromatic motion downward really implies a gentle lowering of a coffin into its final resting place. There's something about moving one step at a time that makes this all the more bittersweet than if we were just to move diatonically. Here's what it would sound like moving down stepwise in a diatonic scale. And here it is again using that chromatic scale. Next up is an example that you are all probably familiar with. Only the chromatic descent in this one is in the melody. Carmen's aria L'Amour est un oiseau rebelle from Bizet's 1875 opera Carmen is chock full of slyness and seduction. This time, the stepwise motion feels like it's winding and lingering, teasing the listener and beckoning them to follow along. Again, it has much more attitude than if it were just diatonic. Here's what that melody would sound like if we stuck to diatonic notes. And here it is again using those chromatic notes. One more classic example. From 1986's The Phantom of the Opera by Andrew Lloyd Webber, it's The Phantom of the Opera. The organ playing this melody gives it that Halloween-y creepiness that otherwise wouldn't be there. Once again, here's that melody diatonically, And here it is, chromatically. Interesting that we have three examples of this one use of chromaticism, a descending semitone line, with three distinct emotions evoked. Lament, seduction, and spookiness. Let's see what kind of emotion we get from Clockwork Crafter's chromaticism. The first 24 seconds of the song are playing around in the key of E-flat minor, with a pedal drone underneath. Let's call this section the intro. 
We hear several chromatic notes in this section that allude to what's to come, most notably a D natural, which is the leading tone to E flat, and A natural, the tritone of E flat. At about 24 seconds, we have the first melody in E flat minor. This is our A section. It jumps back and forth between the chords E flat minor and A flat minor, but there is one D major chord in the middle. D major is a chord that's not normally in the key of E flat natural minor. In fact, the note D shouldn't even show up. It should be a D flat. However, D natural is the leading tone to E flat minor, which means that it draws us to that chord. So a chord built on the leading tone could also act as an unconventional way to bring our ears to a resolution to that E flat minor chord. And while D major brings some notes from outside the key of E flat minor to provide some dissonance, chiefly the notes D and A, which were the two non-diatonic tones from the first section, this is offset by the fact that D major and E flat minor actually share a note in common, G flat. Or, or well, it's, it's F sharp if you want to spell it and harmonically correct for the D major chord. Mr. Coker picked a doozy of a key signature with six flats in it, or well, six sharps if you decide to call it the D sharp minor instead of E flat minor, but the that's beside the point. The point is, E flat minor and D major share this note, while these two notes of D major are not found in the key of E flat minor, but were hinted at in the beginning of Clockwork Crafter. Following so far? Good, let's continue. At 36 seconds, let's say this is section A prime. The key is modulated by jumping to F sharp minor, which is a minor third up from the original key. This time we have the chords F sharp minor, followed by B minor, followed by F sharp minor. It's the same chord progression from the beginning of the A section, just in our new key. After this F sharp minor, the bass moves down a semitone to F, and now we have an F major chord. This follows the same pattern as the E flat minor chord from before, moving down to a D major chord by one chromatic step. This time, we've begun a sequence of chords based on this slowly falling bass line. Let's follow it along, shall we? Coker brings us through chromatically descending chords alternating between minor and major chords, though sometimes the minor chord is suspended. We have F sharp minor to F major, then to E suspended to E flat major, and then to D suspended to D flat major. Then Coker brings us to an E flat minor, D major, E flat minor chord progression like he did earlier, which, like we said, is kind of like this piece's version of a resolution. And so we're back to our main key. What's cool about these chords is that they always share a note with the chords around them. So Coker isn't just totally leading us into completely foreign territory. F sharp minor shares the note A, its minor third, with the third of F major, also an A. Next is E suspended, meaning the chord has a fourth instead of a third, which is, you guessed it, A. Suspended chords often resolve to either a major or minor chord, but this one doesn't. However, if we imagine it resolves to a minor chord, then the E and E flat chords once again share their third, G, just like F sharp minor and F major did before, just with the note A. The pattern continues like this all the way down to D flat major. Let's listen to the actual version again, and we're going to focus on that chromatic bass line. 
minute and 12 seconds of the song, we have another chromatic section of the piece, which sounds like this. The harmonic rhythm, or how fast the chords change, is slower this time around, but we still have that slinking chromatic bass idea going on. We go from E flat minor to D minor to D flat major, and then we do a hop up to F minor. It might seem like a random jump, but it does make sense. The chords D flat major and F minor are pretty much the same chord. All you need to do is change that D flat to a C. Then from F minor, we continue our sinking bass line down to E major, and then E flat minor, our home chord. Then we end with the most tonicizing chord of them all, B flat major. This B flat chord is built on the fifth scale degree of E flat minor, and the chord built on the fifth always gives us a sense of going home. B flat major also contains that note D natural, that's the one that we normally don't find in E-flat minor, but the one that we built our tonicizing chord D major from before. Let's listen to it all again, focusing on that bass line. This song features a lot of chromatic movement. What kind of motion does it imply? Lament? Seduction? Spookiness? Well, probably none of those. All I know is that there's a lot of tension in this chromatic-packed piece, and battles are full of tension. So it makes sense why this is one of the tracks that made its way into Smash Bros. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can stay up to date with the podcast by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Overtone Warp Zone. If you have a suggestion for a song or music topic or other thoughts in the podcast, send me a DM or email me at overtonewarpzone at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the show, consider subscribing on your podcast platform of choice, leaving a five-star review, or supporting the show on Patreon. I can't tell you how much your listenership and encouragement means to me and the show. Until next time, keep playing.